Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, if you would, please. Luke chapter 7, we have a number of people out on vacation, including um, our pastor. And I just encourage you to be back if you are visiting for the first time uh, to not judge the church by the junior varsity squad, all right? And uh, the varsity squad will be back next week, and please be here and meet our pastor, wonderful uh, preacher, and teacher of God's Word. Um, you, will, you will love him and enjoy him, and we're so thankful that he has opportunity to spend some time with his family. And we do have a number of people on, on vacation. This is vacation time, so we have people on vacation here, vacationing here in Newport Beach, not bad, not a bad choice. It's already good to meet a few people and meet a couple more afterwards, I trust, but thank you for, uh, for choosing to visit with us. And, and of course, we have some choir members on vacation, and that's just kind of the vacation season. So um, I'm going to call, make the Macedonian call. Help us out there in choir, all right, and join us. We practice at four o'clock, um, have a good time practicing as well, get to minister these wonderful songs. And uh, it, it is a little bit stringent to get into choir. You do have to have a pulse, all right? We ask that you have a pulse, and, uh, and, and you, can, you can be in choir, all right? Luke chapter 7, um, this message was inspired. Uh, be here on Tuesday nights. We've switched our, our Wednesday night gatherings to Tuesday night for the, um, for the summer, and uh, we're, we're bringing in some guest speakers, and we're serving dinner for you and everything at, as well at, at 5.30. Uh, that first... Um, uh, the first Tuesday night, Pastor Matt Chapel is here, uh, brought out a great illustration on communication, right? And if you were here, you, you know about those golf clubs, right? And uh, uh, communication, there's, there's three parts to it. There's truth, which is important, but there's also tone and timing, right? And sometimes we don't need to speak all of our mind, even if it is truth, correct? And, and then this last Tuesday, Pastor David Tice, what an incredible message on prayer. And, and that's honestly what inspired this. And I, I went to this, uh, in my mind, went to this story of, uh, of, of the two debtors, so the parable of the two debtors. And I've just been pouring into it, and, and I couldn't help but ask the question, why do some people love him so much, right? Why do some people love him so much? And as we look into this story, um, this, this parable, um, well, the parable is part of it, but there's a, just a very real story of Jesus Christ at a dinner party, so to speak, and, uh, and there is a, an unexpected guest that comes in and just lavishes Jesus Christ with worship and, and love, and you just wonder why. Why do some people just love Jesus so much? And let's be real, there are a lot of people, and there's, there, in, a, in a room this size, you're here on a Sunday morning, and, and it could be you feel it your Christian duty to be here, and, and, and more than, I don't mean this to be offensive, but, but more than likely you're, you're very fond of Jesus, right? You at least like Him, right? You, you have a positive, um, you know, positive vibe when it comes to Jesus, and then there's that other side, people who just love Him so very much. Why do some people love him so much? Father, we need you. I pray that you'd help us now as we look into your word. And I pray that you'd, uh, you'd be with those who are, 
who are not saved, God, that you'd work in their hearts, that they may come to know you as Savior. But just all of us as believers, that we'd take inventory of our hearts and our love for you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 7, let's read through a few, uh, few verses first, and then we'll, I'll get into some main points here. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse number 36, the Bible says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And if you've been studying the scriptures, you know that, fair, that word Pharisee is not really a good word, right? It's the religious crowd of the day. And you ever have somebody invite you to coffee or dinner, and you just wondered what their angle was, right? Remember back in the day when somebody would, people would come into church, and they were ready to network with Amway or whatever it was, right? Remember the Amway days, right? And, and you just wondered, well, what is this person, what, what's their angle, right? And so obviously Jesus Christ being God knows all things. Here's a Pharisee. The Pharisees don't exactly like Jesus, want to have a meal with him, but Jesus Christ agreed to have this meal with this Pharisee, this religious leader. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, and behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Interesting. Aren't we all sinners? But there's a very specific designation for this woman, which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. If you've been studying the scriptures for some time, you know there's another story of a Another woman that brings an alabaster box, very precious, and lavishes it upon Jesus Christ, right? This is a different story. Verse number 38, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. Okay, he's not talking out loud, he's thinking to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And so he's just thinking to himself, if, if Jesus Christ truly were a prophet, you know, I know he's not a local, but us locals know about this woman and this type of woman, this type of sinner, right? If he were truly a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she was, and he wouldn't have her anywhere near him. That's a problem with the religious crowd. They don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Never get these, and, and I think for your mental health, amen, you don't need to get into every single discussion at work, right? It's just, it's just rough out there, the way people think. And then they throw things at, well, I thought you were a Christian. Would Jesus Christ do that or think that way? Yes, he would, actually. You just don't know him, right? And so obviously this religious person, this person who has all the tradition down and has all the actions down and all these, this list of do's and don'ts that he has, has no idea the heart of Jesus Christ. Oh man, if you only, and so now Jesus, remember, he's God, so he knows this man's thoughts. And look at verse number 40. And Jesus answering said unto Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. <laughs> so we've got, we've got something to talk about here, Right? And then this Pharisee named Simon says, well, say on, let's go ahead and talk. And so we get the privilege to learn from this little discussion that Jesus Christ is going to have with a very religious man who's looking at this scene of this sinner. We could all fill in the blanks of what that probably means, right? This sinner that he thinks, man, if Jesus knew, he would kick her out of the building, right? No, not at all. But we see this this display of incredible love. Now, why do people love him so much? You know, when, when people really love something that's unusual, there's usually a reason behind it, right? I love spam. <laughs> not, not the email spam, 
the meat in a can, delicacy, amen? And see, he's, see, he's sh- look at this Pharisee over here shaking his head, all right? I mean, how many, how many people like, actually like Spam, all right? Look at this, look at this, Kevin, look at, and your wife does too, all right? So. And so I know this is one of those things that are, are controversial, and I think probably with some people, um, I would, you know, as a self-avowed foodie, um, I've, I've lost all street cred with you, right, saying that I, that I love Spam. But, but there's a reason for it. I mean, so if you go to Hawaii, Spam is just, it's part of the culture, right? They love it. It's a delicacy. You know the best place to get Spam? 7-Eleven. You grab your, you go to 7-Eleven, get yourself a Spam Masubi, it's great. It's awesome. But some people just don't like Spam. But for me, it's, it's comfort food. It's what I grew up with. Filipinos, we love Spam. And come on, yeah. And, and it, a lot of people, you know, in the Western world will eat you know, Spam sandwiches, and that's fine. I don't judge, right? But that is Spam with rice, and for us, it's Spam with garlic fried rice and a fried egg, and just, just run ahead, let that run all over. Come on, now we're talking, right? And so, but there's a reason. So why, does some, why would somebody like Spam? Well, for one, I'm Filipino, right? And that's just what I grew up with, right? And so, so that's okay. Anyone ever heard of Scrapple? Scrapple, all right. Anybody say they like Scrapple? Less hands, all right. So Scrapple is all the, the organs and nostrils of, of, of the pig that just kind of ground up and, and, and turned into a loaf, right? And um, yeah, and so right away, the, the rest of us are like, okay, I wish I didn't know what Scrapple was, right? <laughs> but if somebody likes Scrapple, there's usually a reason for it. Because more than likely they grew up in the Mid-Atlantic or they grew up around somebody who was from the Mid-Atlantic and Scrapple was a delicacy. It's, it's comfort food, right? Um, I'm a fan of the Los Angeles Chargers, amen? And once again, here we go. We're gonna, oh, come on. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. And, and Kevin... My friend here is a Denver Broncos fan, and so we're, we're rivals, and that's the tension between us that you're feeling. Um, and so the, the Chargers, the unfortunate truth, the Chargers have a couple dozen fans, all right? And it, it doesn't look great, and so you're like, why? Why do you like the Chargers? I grew up in San Diego, and so a part of me died when they, they moved up here. But I, I'm, I'm okay with it now, and, and, uh, and I think man, we've built a, a good team, and, and we're going to compete now. And so my, my kids, they all like the Chargers. I have sufficiently brainwashed them, right? <laughs> I, 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 I did okay with that part of my parenting. And so you, you ask kids, why, why do you like the Chargers? Well, that's where they grew up around, right? From they were, when they were young, they had the little Charger onesies and everything. It was just right from the very beginning. I got the training going, amen? And so there's usually, there's a reason people love the things that they love, right? So now you know why I love Spam, because I'm Filipino, right? I love the Chargers because I grew up in San Diego. I love donuts because I'm a sinner, amen? And so that just, that's all there is to it. I, I love donuts. And so there's, there's typically a reason for why you love something so much. I go back to this story, and here's people sitting around the same Messiah. And we see two very, very different reactions and interactions with Jesus. And the truth is, 
it's kind of the same here in church. And, and, and don't get me wrong, let's, let's not turn this into something judgmental. We can't judge the heart, right? We can't judge the heart. Right? But we all are conditioned in some way to love the things that we love. And so I'd like to take a look at this story and this discussion when Jesus Christ said, you know, we, need, we have something to talk about, right? And answer this question, why do people love him so much? And I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you fond of Jesus? Everyone, be, be honest. Are you just kind of fond of Jesus? Or do you love him? And if you're kind of struggling and you, you, uh, you think of this question and you're honest with yourself and say, you know what? I'm not crazy about him. Well, why not? What, what's wrong in here? What's wrong in our perceptions of Jesus that we all, we're all just not crazy about him? And so as we look at the story, I want you to see, we're going to look at, I think, five points. And number one, I want you to see the devotion, the devotion. Would you look at verse number 37? And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, once again, this is very specifically inspired by the Holy Spirit, just nailing that down, because obviously we know all human beings are sinners, but this woman was on a different level, so to speak, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, so somehow word had gotten around, I'm sure this is big news, Jesus Christ and the Pharisees were known for clashing, and then here the Pharisee has invited Jesus Christ into his home for a meal, Jesus Christ has agreed to it, so there's a buzz amongst the community, amongst the city, and so this woman, this sinner, hears about it, and her first instinct, I gotta get to Jesus, but not empty-handed, she brings this alabaster box of ointment, this really, really expensive perfume. Perfume can be really expensive. Oh, my soul. Really, just oil can be very, very expensive. I know, I mean, if you're just used to going to Walmart or Target for canola oil, you don't know, oil is expensive. You look at, there you can get some really, really expensive extra virgin olive oil from Spain or Portugal or what have you. It can be super, super expensive. And this thing was very, very expensive. And she brings it to Jesus Verse number 38, and stood at his feet weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and had wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now, in this time, kissing and washing feet was customary, right? It was customary, right? And just different cultures do, do different, different things, right? There's still today, there are different cultures where, where people will kiss, kiss each other um, as as a greeting. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, right? It's just not our culture where we'll stick to the holy handshake. Amen? Just props or whatever. All right? Okay? And, but this was just, it was customary. But even the washing of feet was customary when, when you had a guest in their house. I mean, much like if somebody comes into your home, more than likely you'll be compelled to feed them, at least offer them a, um, a drink or a coffee or something, right? Just, it's just customary. But it was customary in this time, in this culture, to wash your guest's feet. So this is all kind of customary stuff, right? But then it takes this interesting turn from customary to absolute devotion. And actually, see, we, we're going to get this really incredible and accurate look of biblical worship. Wednesday night when Pastor David Tice was, was preaching, incredible, I mean, life-changing stuff for me, there was a point early in the message where he knelt. And he was explaining worship, biblical worship. And I don't have a problem with um, terms that 
the words we use, they change meaning with time, right? And, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to debate semantics, but I'd like you to consider biblical worship. I know we think of worship as we stand and sing, but when you, when you study um, worship in the Word of God, it's very clear. God's people, when they said, uh, when they were called to worship, they didn't think right away, oh, we're going to sing. That wasn't in their mind. The call to worship, there were two elements to it. It was sacrifice and posture. I mean, you study that in Scripture. Once again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against, if you want to call it worship, that, that's fine. All right? I understand things change. But biblically speaking, worship had two elements, sacrifice and posture. And that posture is what we saw modeled for us by Pastor Dave Tice. A few years ago at a summer camp, I was youth pastor for, for many years, and we would run our own summer camps. And, and I remember a youth pastor and his wife sang this incredible song, Your Grace Still Amazes Me, and I've got that on my list of songs for choir, so join us for that. Remember, you only need a pulse, all right? And, uh, and it was just a special song that year um, to our young people, and it spoke to me. There was a, there's a lyric in there, each day I bow on my knees, I fall on my knees with each day. And I really try to stay engaged with the songs because, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have music here just to pass time, right? It's biblical, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, teaching and admonishing. You know, we're teaching and admonishing right now through the preaching of God's Word, but all the music, that's teaching and admonishing, so stay completely engaged. And so I'm, I'm considering the words, and, and, and sometimes I lift my hands in worship, and well, back then when I was really fundy Baptist, it was just one hand. Now I do two hands, I even close my eyes, all right? But... Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where this, this, uh, this lyric came to me, and, and I like to say amen or hallelujah when, when something speaks to me, but this spoke to me in a way where I couldn't say amen. Each day I fall on my knees. I'm like, oof, I don't do that every day. And I pray, I have my Bible reading, but I, for a time in my life, I didn't get into the posture of worship every single day. And so I made a commitment, this is few years, this might be eight, ten years ago, okay, each day I'll fall on my knees. And I'm sure at that camp there was some good preaching, and preaching spoke to my heart, but that song taught me each day I'll fall on my knees. And I made a commitment to Christ, I made a commitment to God, every day I will find some time, even if it's just a few seconds, to fall on my knees before you. And, and I don't remember somewhere along the a line that maybe I did that for a few years, I stopped doing that. I hadn't fallen on my knees every single day. I broke my commitment to God. And, and then as Pastor Tice modeled that for us, and he brought out this point, he said, every day there are millions and millions of Muslims worshiping a false god, but every single day you know there are millions and millions of Muslims bowing down, pointing a certain direction every single day, a false god. And we worship the God of the ages. We worship the God of the ages. And so here is worship. So there's a sacrifice. And so we see this element. So she, she knows that Jesus Christ is there at this Pharisee's house, and she knows what reception she's going to get from the Pharisee, but she just needed to get to Jesus Christ. And nobody taught her this, but because there was this love for Jesus Christ already, I, we don't know what Jesus Christ did for her. I have no idea. But all we know is that she needed to get to him, but she wasn't going to get there, going to go there empty-handed. She was going to bring something something very precious, something that would cost her something and lavish it upon Jesus Christ. So she brings this first element of worship, some type of sacrifice, and then the posture 
Would you look at verse number 38 again? And stood at his feet behind him, weeping. weeping. First of all, he knows that she's behind him. So she's not even, she's not even trying to get his attention. Isn't that something? Be honest. When we go to church, do we have this consumer mentality? Is that God, would you give me something? And I'm, I'm saying stay engaged with every part of it, with the music, the congregational singing, the, the special number, the choir, the prayer, the reading of God's Word, all of it, the preaching of God's Word. Stay engaged for Him, not demanding that God gives us something, not demanding that God turns His attention upon us. When we come here with pure devotion and pure worship, it's all about Him. And so she's behind Him weeping, not trying to get in between the conversation, not trying to get in his face about anything. She just wants to lavish Jesus Christ with her attention. Look at it there in verse number 38. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. In order for her to wash his feet, she would have to get into the posture of worship on her knees before her Lord. Devotion. This is worship. This is worship. And I understand not everybody, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get everybody to look like me when I'm at church. I, I, I'm not. And I'm not trying to judge your heart. And, and, and we, we have this, this conversation at, um, uh, at home, and, and, and I'm a little bit expressive when, I, when I'm praising God, right? And, and you know, my wife just is not, but I know she's fully engaged. I know she loves Jesus Christ. I know she is devoted to him. I, I'm not saying everybody has to be like me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what have you given in sacrifice? What have you done that has cost you something? What have you done that was been of value of you that you have given to Jesus Christ here? And is there ever a time in which you're in the place of posture of worship before God, before God. Now, many people have tried to define this worship issue in just the word worship. And a lot of times you'll hear this, worship is, is about the heart. And, and I get that. I, I understand what people are saying, and I'm not saying the heart is unimportant. It is. But think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Remember, they're minding their own business, just making a living, right? And, but they're in captivity, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and his people come up with this idea. says, hey, we're going to create an image, and when the music comes, right, the flutes and harps and sackbut, and I don't know what a sackbut is. Somebody Google that for us. All, right? I just, all these instruments start playing, right? Then everybody will bow, right? And just one day, there, there'll be a signal. Everybody bows. And all of a sudden, there's these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow. They wouldn't bow, right? And so the decree was, if you don't bow at the, at the appointed time, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace, right? You'll be turned into a crispy critter, right? Now, if it was all about the heart, if it was all about the heart, then Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they could have just bowed and in their heart been worshiping God, not Nebuchadnezzar, Right? You ever do that where your actions didn't line up with, you know, the outside? No, you're, I said the same thing, didn't I? Where 
Your actions didn't line up what was inside here, right? You know, when you're trying to teach your kids how to apologize to their sibling, right? I'm sorry, right? You know, it's not mad. They're saying the words, I'm sorry, but you know it's not, it's not matching up, right? And so if it was all completely about the heart, then they could have just bowed and, and worshiped God in their hearts. But it's not just about the heart. The action itself is important. And so they didn't bow. And they risked their lives. They didn't know how the story was going to end. We know the story, right? They go into the fiery furnace. They're completely safe. And the fourth man was in there with them, right? Jesus Christ himself. And they have fellowship there in this barbecue meant for them, right? <laughs> they didn't know that it was going to end that way. We, did, we do. But they didn't know. They thought they were going to go to their death. But the action itself was that important. Yes, the heart but what do you do? The Bible does say, lifting up holy hands to the Lord. The Bible says that. That's an action. Once again, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make you do something that, it, that you're uncomfortable with, right? But, but there, there might be an element of just, you know, what's holding you back. And I, I have the, many people talk to me and, 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 uh, and say, man, I, I wish I had this freedom and worship and praise that you have, right? And, and maybe when we get to a place where we're behind Jesus, in essence, like the story. We're not coming here demanding something of God, demanding Him to bless us, demanding Him to speak to us, demanding uh, that, that, we, uh, that, that we're impressed with the music, with no demands, but just here to give our attention and lavish our focus upon Him, that maybe we get to a place where, you know what? Nothing else matters. Nobody else matters. It's just me and God. And I promise you, when you, you get to this place where you don't care what anybody else thinks, and, and you, you can be in an auditorium with 500, 600 people, but you get to this incredible place where, wow, you forget about the other few hundred, and it's just God. And you weep, and these tears will fall at his feet. And this devotion drove her to lavish him with her love. But unfortunately, there's something, we, another element of this story that I call the disrespect. The disrespect. When you look at verse number 39, now when the Pharisee had bidden, which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Here's an unfortunate truth. Often those who like Jesus or are fond enough of him to come to church on a Sunday morning, may look at the ones who are crazy in love with Jesus with maybe a little bit of criticism, a little bit of disdain, right? Just kind of wondering, because I, I, I think where that might come from is maybe a little bit of conviction, right? And I'm not just talking about who's someone who's really expressive in their praise and worship, but somebody who's here all the time. We, you know, always... We, we've been in, in ministry 20-something years, and, and my wife would, me and my wife, we kind of joke like this, you know, we, we live at church, and we, we visit our house occasionally to rest, right? And a lot of you are like that, right? Just serving God, right? I'm not saying don't spend time with your family. You got to strike a balance, right? Spend time with family and all that, but a lot of people are just so fully invested here and, and trying to do their best through life and make time for family and all that, but serve God with all their hearts and 
There are those who might be kind of on the outskirts wondering, what in the world is that all about? Right? Right? And maybe you haven't taken it this far to think, oh, man, who do you think you are to do all this stuff for Jesus? We're sinners, right? Saved by grace. And so we see this disrespect coming from this Pharisee. If he knew, that's the thing, that's the problem. We just don't know Jesus Christ properly. If you get to know Jesus Christ, you know he's a friend of sinners. He sat with the publicans in the outcasts, trying to draw them to him. That's my Jesus. And we see not just the devotion or the disrespect. I want to show you the debt, the debt that comes in. Now this discussion is really going to ramp up a little bit. Verse number 40, and Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. Remember, Simon didn't say this out loud. It was his attitude, right? And so Jesus Christ is going to deal with this attitude by using this parable of a debt. Verse number 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Isn't that amazing? What a picture of grace that is. That word frankly forgave is is translated from one Greek word that literally means to be gifted graciously, right? So they had nothing to pay, no means to pay it. And this creditor says, okay, you don't have to pay it anymore. You have a clean slate. So this creditor did not extend the terms, right? He didn't lower the payment, right? He completely erased the debts. And that's what Jesus Christ did for you and me, right? He completely erased our sin debt, a debt that we could not pay at all. And it could be you're like me here today, and I grew up in a religious system, and I'm not trying to be mean or disrespectful if you came here believing this, but I grew up in a religious system that taught me that I was sprinkled as a baby, and it washed away my original sins. My friend, you'll not find that in the Scriptures. And I grew up in this religious system that said, if I did good works, and my, my good works outweighed my bad works, then maybe Jesus Christ would allow me to go into heaven. My friend, you will not find that in the Scriptures. Jesus Christ said, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh into the Father but by me. That's the Bible right there. That's grace. And you are unable. You don't have the funds. You don't have the means. You don't have the know-how to pay your sin debt. It's all about Jesus Christ. And so they had nothing to pay. And then so Jesus Christ, now let's deal with your attitude. So I've set you up with this story that I hope you could understand. Debt, right? Hope you understand this. So Jesus Christ said, so who do you think? Remember, one person owed 500 pence, the other person owed 50. They both had nothing to pay. Who do you think would love the creditor more? Who do you think would love? Verse number 40, verse number 42. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? See, the issue here is not actually the numbers. It's easy to get caught up in the numbers, right? Let's make these bigger numbers. Let's say one person had a debt of $500,000. The other had a debt of $50. And the creditor forgave them both. Wow. 
and we look at the $500,000 debt, it's like, whoa, that's amazing. Of course, the person that owed $500,000, half of a house in Orange County, right? Half, maybe, right? Of course, that person would love, would be so much more grateful than the person who was forgiven $50. No, it's not about the amount. The issue as ne- is that neither one, neither one could pay their debt. Neither one could pay their debt. So they were big for both of them. It was just as hopeless for the $50 debtor as it was for the $500,000 debtor. Just as hopeless, just as drear, just as heartbreaking. And then so the one that was forgiven of 50 bucks was, if they put it into the right perspective, knowing I couldn't do it, I couldn't, they would still be elated because the issue was the inability to pay the debt. And you can't. You can't pay your sin debt. You can't be good enough. You can't. That's why Jesus Christ gave his life for you and me. And you could be completely forgiven. Then number four, there's the delusion. The delusion. We just look at verse number 42 again. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And here's the delusion. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. Now, hold on a second. All right, so I know it's going to sound like, oh, okay, hey, you were wrong, Pastor Jay. Right? So, no, no, Jesus Christ is dealing with an attitude here, right? And so now he's dealing with his perspective. Look at verse number 47. Would you skip to 47? Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. You ever meet somebody? They have too grandiose of an opinion about themselves, right? Um, I, I've, I've been in music ministry for a while, and, and I'm glad I don't have to make this decision here, hallelujah. But um, in, in a previous ministry, you know, we'd have special numbers, and every once in a while somebody would come, hey, I would, lo- I would love to sing a special number. And, and it's not about, you know, hey, we have to have the right performance, but I don't think there's anything godly or spiritual by allowing someone to embarrass themselves in front of people, right? If they're not gifted that way, you know? Um, and I hope that doesn't sound mean, but I just, I just don't think that's right. And so I think it's good to be honest with people. Now, I know there's truth, and there's tone, and there's timing, all right? The truth may be somebody comes to me, hey, I'd like to sing a special. It's like, okay, so why don't you prepare a little something, and we'll go to the piano with, with, with so-and-so, and, and I'll give you a listen. But I do have to let you know, you, you have to know, I, I'm going to be honest. If, if I don't believe that you should minister in this way, I'm going to tell you, all right? And then most people say, okay, no, I can't handle that, right? A lot, of pe- a lot of people who just, they just kind of know, maybe not, all right? Some people are super, um, you know, confident right there. They're, no! You know, they don't have any other piano. They just think, so, oh, okay, woo, all right? <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you just, you just have to tell people. And it's a hard thing to do, right? Um, you have to have the right tone, right? But just some people just think they're blessed with the ability to sing, and they're not, Right? And if you can't sing, it's okay. Don't sing. You can be a blessing that way. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't sing. 
don't sing publicly, you know? We could all sing corporately and praise and worship God. No, no problem then. Just don't worry about anybody else. It's, it's okay. It, honestly, it's beautiful when, when, when somebody's around and they're just singing to the Lord and, 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 and they are completely tone deaf, but they don't care. You're singing. Honestly, it, it's wonderful. It's a blessing, right? But sometimes people just have this grandiose idea of themselves. And this Pharisee, the Pharisees tend to think that. They just had this really grandiose idea of themselves that almost like God was lucky to have them, Right? And so, yeah, well, they would say, of course, well, of course I'm a sinner. But we see, we've seen other stories of Pharisees saying, well, I'm glad, I, God, I thank thee that I'm not like that sinner over there. And it could be, and praise God, I thank God for the many different testimonies that are represented here, right? And it could be somebody, some of you in here, you were saved later in life, and, and God brought you through some really dark things, and, and maybe God brought you through some addictions, and a broken family, and, and, and failed businesses, and, and, and just whatever it is, and just some really bad mistakes that you wouldn't want anybody to know about, and thank God that God forgave you of those sins. But it could be somebody else in here, you grew up in a, in a spiritual greenhouse, and, and, and mom and dad protected you from from the carnality of the world, and they, they sacrificed to put you in a Christian school, and, and they, they, they did their very best for you, and, and then you gave your testimony, and you think your testimony is boring. Ever, anyone ever be like that? I mean, my, my testimony is boring compared to that person. No, it's the same thing with these debts. It's not about the amount. You were both unable, completely unable to pay the debt. And then we go into delusion when we think that, oh, you know what? I came into this, into God's family, with a little bit more to offer. No, you didn't. Not a one of us did. You grew up in that spiritual greenhouse, and you got saved when you were five years old. Praise God for that. God paid your sin debt. Be thankful. Love him. But you got saved. You may have gotten saved when you were 55 years old. And it was after you were broken down by sin and alcohol and drugs and pornography, and God gave you victory over that. Praise God for that. He paid your sin debt. And so don't be deluded that we think that we bring a little bit more to the family of God that others do, than others do in comparison. You know, it's just a biblical principle. If we compare ourselves among ourselves, it is not wise. We compare ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the delusion and then the discussion goes right to a declaration. The declaration. Last point there. Would you look at verse number 44? Verse number 44. And he turned to the woman. Catch this. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So this is weird. When you're talking to someone, you should be looking right at them. Right? But so he's talking to Simon but looking at the woman. So remember this woman came from behind. She's not seeking his attention and just loves Jesus. And guess what she got blessed with? Jesus Christ's attention. Amen. Jesus Christ looks right at her, but is talking to Simon. Never do anything like that where you have something to say to somebody, but you just can't, you're not ready to look them in the eye, right? I don't think Jesus Christ is mad. I know he's not mad, right? But he is making a point. A couple points here, right? And one of them is that, hey, Simon, Mr. Religious Pharisee with all the education, you've got something, something to learn from this sinner. 
And I'm going to teach you this right now. She is going to get my focus while I speak to you. I'm going to look her in the eye while I speak to you. Because I want you to hear these truths, but I want you to understand that you're learning it from this sinner. Hmm. Sometimes it takes a little bit of humbling, right? A lot of bit of humbling to really learn these lessons from Jesus Christ. Keep on going. Simon said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears. Hmm and wipe them with the hairs of her head. Now remember, this is all customary stuff. Jesus Christ isn't walking into this, this place like a diva thinking, you know, hey, you should give me the, the red carpet and all this and bring me your, your best coffee and all this stuff and sidecar donuts, amen? I mean, that's not what he's doing. He's not, he's not demanding something that is, that, is, that is just, that's over the top. This is all customary stuff. It says you haven't even done the basics in taking care of me or greeting a guest. You haven't done that, but this woman here, she's done it, but with more of a heart. In verse number 45, thou gavest me no kiss. We're just talking about a greeting, a basic greeting. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Now remember, here's this this incredibly valuable substance, more than likely her most expensive item that she's owned, and she's lavishing it upon Jesus Christ. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So we may perceive, and here's the mistake, here's the delusion, that Jesus Christ forgave us of just a little bit of stuff. I grew up in church. I never did drugs. Never took a sip of alcohol. Never, did, never got kicked out of school. Never, never been arrested. Just, I am a sinner, but he's a sinner, right? And then we come into this Christian walk, this journey with Jesus, thinking that, you know, I came into this thing pretty good right? And, and don't get me wrong, I, I understand some people bring some, a lot of baggage into this thing, and there's just a little more to the journey. But there's those of us who have that boring testimony. I think the baggage that we carry, the dangerous thinking like, oh, you know what? It's just not as much effort for me as it is for brother and so-and-so who has to be part of the addictions ministry or the mental health ministry or whatever it is. It's just, it takes more effort for them. No, we all have to put some effort into this. And the effort in your heart might be some humbling and thinking, God, help me remember all my sins. All my sins. Not the same testimony as him, but I was a sinner with a debt that I couldn't pay, and you paid it. Wow. Let that drive our hearts to love Jesus Christ, no matter the testimony, no matter how messy, no matter how dark, no matter how wonderful that God gave you a family to grow up in, praise God, but your debt has been paid, right? But here is ultimately, so the declaration is like, hey, you think you're okay. You think you're better than others. You think you come into this offering more to the family of God than others do. No, you don't. We all come at this with a debt paid with a clean slate. That means we all come at this with zero. And it's this love that drives our growth. 
in Jesus. But here's the ultimate declaration, verse number 48. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Wow. My friends, your, your sins can be forgiven. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so clear. It's so simple. I think it's so simple that some people just are, don't think it can be true. Because we've grown up in religious systems that made it so much more complicated. And there's no way that can be it. And, and if you're not assured of heaven, would you allow us to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you go to heaven when you die? You can know that for sure. So why do some people love him so much? Why would, be, why would people be willing to sacrifice their time, give of their selves, their energy, their finances, all of these? Why, why, would people, why, why would people praise and worship God lavishly like nobody else is around? Why would people do that? Because they were forgiven much. You were forgiven much. If you spent time in prison, you were forgiven much. If you grew up in church, you were forgiven much. That's why people love him so much. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.